0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor John McDougal, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. And good morning, church family. Great to see everyone, and uh there is just something about having, I feel like our Sunday gatherings, it's like family dinner, and every week there's a few of us who are away for whatever reasons, and Easter Sunday is that day the whole family gathers, and what an encouragement just to look around and to those of you who are new today, our guest, so glad you're with us, and a special welcome to you. Today, uh, really, we gather, as we do every Sunday, to fix our eyes on our Lord. And our church family, we, we often talk about these five, really, who are we, what's our DNA? We're Jesus-focused, Bible-based, love-fueled, Spirit-empowered, unified around the mission of helping each other become fully devoted followers of Christ. And today we launch a new series. We're calling it Beyond, Living Beyond Your Biggest Fear. And I'm excited about this in that fear is is one of those Emotions—it's a legitimate emotion, emotion we all experience, but it can paralyze us, keep us from following Christ into the the life that He's called us to follow. And so, our hope and prayer this week, over the, and then the two weeks to come, we're going to look at three of the biggest fears we face. God speaking into that, and today, looking at uh, one of the fears that the resurrection really frees us from as we follow Christ. But thinking about fear, it's human to fear, isn't it? And, and it's, it's a healthy emotion when it's a legitimate thing that, that we should be fearing. I, the, uh, Craig Rochelle tells a, a great story in his book, Winning the, Battle, Winning the War in Your Mind, about a time when he was a kid. And maybe you've had an experience like this, but he was with his family. They had uh, stopped by a, a hamburger joint. As they were leaving, his dad did something that caused the guy following them to get mad, road rage back then. and. And that guy was so mad that he followed them to his house, to their house, pulled in behind their car. And this guy was driving a blue van. And uh, Craig remembers the guy gets out and he's screaming at his dad. The dad gets out. And this was a bad decision on this, the driver of the blue van. And Craig's dad was a, he could hold his own and right there in the driveway, it's um, MMA, man. They break into a fight, a brawl. The dad, his dad beats the road rage out of this guy. Sends him back to the blue van. Limping. He gets in, drives off. But Craig remembers that night. His mom sat him down in the living room and said, Craig, there is a man who drives a blue van who hates us. So from this day forward, if you see that blue van anywhere near you, I want you to run home, lock the doors, Call the police if you must, but get away from that blue van. And so that's what he did in his childhood. When he would see a blue van, man, it was off to the house, lock the doors, hide under the bed. Well, uh, he would tell you even today that when he sees a blue van driving down the road as a grown adult, it activates something inside of him. A bite, flee, adrenaline just dumps into his veins. So have you had a similar experience? Well, what is the threat that that creates fear in your heart. And whether it be rational or irrational, as kids we probably all have a moment like that, but as adults too, there are fears that that create a threat that can be paralyzing or control us. So what is the fear that uh, that creates a threat in your in your heart? I think about we all the fear of the future and the uncertainty around the future. There's the fear of social rejection and um, the fear of, of failure, the fear of, of losing our job or having enough or um, losing our health. We all face the uh, fears, but as I think about the the perhaps the greatest fear, or the most common fear and a legitimate fear, the one that, that is prominent is the fear of death. It's legitimate in that it's coming for us all. We, we don't like to think about that, but that's reality. And what makes it scary is we don't get a practice shot at it, do we? It's when we when death comes knocking on our door, it's the first go around, and uh, we haven't been here before. We, we don't know what it's like to go through this. We know death is it's not a pleasant prospect in, in terms of physical experience it's the body shutting down it's a it's our enemy we know the result of sin and and so there's probably going to be some pain associated with, with it physically but the biggest pain is the emotional pain of saying goodbye to the people that we love the danger is that as we live our lives this fear of death can uh, can paralyze us and threaten to keep us from uh, experiencing and pursuing the life that god calls us to experience which brings us to the question of the day: Is it possible to live beyond the fear of death, as we do life with death approaching? The spoiler alert that we've been singing about is, the, and the short answer is yes. And it's our, our hope, and the answer is anchored in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He came to set us free from the fear of death. And a text that that is somewhat unfamiliar, but it just summarizes this is Hebrews chapter. 2, verse 14, um, or it was unfamiliar, at least to me, and and just sums it up. I love the way the, uh, the writer of Hebrews says this. He says, since the children have flesh and blood. So speaking of us, he too, or Jesus, shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. And so God's desire for us, our destiny as followers of Christ, is to live free from the fear of death. But how does that play out? And and what's that look like? And so here's a preview where we'll go in the next few moments is we're going to relive the moment that Jesus breaks the power of death, the the resurrection through Matthew's account. And as we do so, we'll highlight four key realities of of this moment and of the good news that, that we put our hope and trust in. And then we'll um, we will uh, reframe our view of death th- in light of resurrection morning as we look to the Word of God. And, and there are five really pictures that God gives us to reframe how we see death that sets us free from the the fear of it. So, if you would join me in Matthew chapter twenty-seven, if you're just joining us today, we've been. Um, this, throughout this year, uh, looking at certain texts from Matthew's vantage point. And so we'll begin there. Matthew chapter 27, verse 57. Picking up where we left off last week, it says, As evening approached, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who had, who had himself become a disciple of Jesus. And going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body, and Pilate ordered that it be given to him. Just side note, neat moment here. Joseph, we know, is also a member of the Sanhedrin, which is like the Supreme Court of Israel, one of 71 people, very influential man, wealthy. And what he's doing right here is a bold move. He's declaring his allegiance to Christ, in essence. Every other disciple, gone. We know Nicodemus was with him. But just love this picture of, maybe that's um, you, a journey you've been on of investigating who Jesus is. And then finally, you just come to that moment where it's like, bold move i'm in i'm following him and we see him doing that right here he uh joseph took the body he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth placed it in his own new tomb that he had cut out of the rock he rolled a big stone in front of the entrance of the tomb and went away mary magdalene and the other mary were sitting there opposite of the tomb And so we'll look at four core realities around the resurrection. The first one is Jesus is dead. Now, I know this is not new news for us, but it's interesting that Matthew wants us to know this. God wants us to know this. You say, why is this? Remember, these accounts were written so that we might have evidence, a reasonable evidence to believe. Our faith is not blind. It's based on eyewitness accounts. There was a rumor circulating that Jesus had not died, but rather he, was, he just fainted. You, you know, he was just out of it for a while. And what Matthew is recording here is, no, he did die. And, and there's an eyewitness account. A member of the Supreme Court of the day buried him, wrapped him up. There were women watching, um, not just one account, but several. Jesus is dead. As so we pause in this moment of, they don't know resurrection is coming. Understatement of the day, but death hurts, doesn't it? And as I, as Joseph wrapped up our Lord's body, as the ladies are watching this and thinking it's over, it's just a reminder to me that we live on Saturday in, in many ways, don't we? We're waiting for the resurrection. And I know many of us, probably most of us, have been touched by the pain of, of death, saying goodbye to one we love. Monday this week, I uh, bumped into a neighbor at the in the drink aisle at Kroger. And weeks ago, it was early morning; it's still dark out. Drove by his house and noticed that then they're an elderly couple. I noticed the driveway was full of cars. I was like, "Oh no, this is not good." And I said, Lord, do you want me to stop? No not yours, they're part of a church family, and they have a pastor and everything, so I just kept driving, but since that morning, as he came to mind, and as I drove by, I just prayed for him and them, and not sure what's going on Monday, was thankful to be able to just ask him, hey, how are you doing? Tears, He said two weeks ago, my wife passed away, and was so grateful that she knew Christ, she had hope, she's alive in him, he was thankful that he was the one who got to be with her in her final days, But now it's Monday morning, two weeks later, and life goes on. And every stinking thing he does reminds him of her. Go into the store. What do you shop for? Us. Don't need to anymore. And we sat there, and he just shared. And as he's bawling, crying, I'm fighting back the tears, just remembering it hurts. So grateful for the hope we have in Christ. And he verbalized that. So grateful for his church family that's around him. And it still hurts. And I was just reminded again today just to say that if you are in that season, and I know some of you are, may God bring a special comfort to you today, this Easter. May uh, you feel him, even in these moments, wrap his arms around you and no hope lives. But also may you feel the body around you. We are His presence to you. And if you don't have a church family, we exist to uh, help each other through times like that. Death hurts. And as we talk about the resurrection, I, I don't want to minimize that pain. But the second reality that we see in this text is Jesus is buried. Notice verse 62, he says, the next day, the one after the preparation day, the chief priests and the Pharisees, Went to Pilate and they said, Sir, we remember that while he was still alive, that, de- that deceiver said, After three days, I will rise again. Isn't it interesting? His enemies were locked in on his resurrection while his followers weren't so sure. Like they're remembering. And so we got to stop any, any, uh, myths going out there he says so give the order that the tomb be made secure until the third day otherwise the disciples may come and steal the body and tell the people that he has been raised from the dead that last deception will be worse from the first so take a guard Pilate answered go and make the tomb as secure as you know how here's a blank check go lock it down so they went they made the tomb secure by putting a seal on it, the human authority or not to touch this thing, and by posting a Roman guard, a, a soldiers that would stand guard at the tomb. Second reality that, that our Lord wants us to remember is Jesus was buried. He was placed in this tomb, and, and he was um, secure in that tomb. What a comfort today. I, I just see... Humans scheme. Humans do everything they can to stop the purpose, the purposes and plans of God. But what's God do in these moments? And I just love this picture. You, you, can, you can have Pilate doing his thing. You can have the religious leaders doing their thing. You can roll a big stone in front of the door. You can seal it with the authority of, of the government. You can even post soldiers there that will do you bodily harm, but you cannot, no human can stop the plan and purpose of this, our sovereign king and the living God. And today, maybe that's the word you need to hear to just bring hope to your heart. Look out, I mean, every day the social media is just constantly creating anxiety. Russia's doing that, China's doing that, they doing that, they're doing that. Hey, who's in charge today, guys? <laughs> and I hope you, as you look at this moment of human scheming and you know, balking up on trying to stop God from doing what he's going to, cannot stop it. We serve a God whose plan and purpose and promise will stand. Third reality though, Jesus is alive. We see in verse 28, after the Sabbath had dawned, the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to the tomb and there was a violent earthquake and the angel of the Lord came down from heaven. And going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. And the angel said to the women, do not be afraid for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen just as he said. And those of us who, of you who were here last year, remember the, those four words that we build our lives on, just as he said. Um, It will be just as he said. Now, I love this moment, though. The angel, if you were the women and you see this angel and he says, hey, he's risen, what would your immediate response be now? I'm out of here. Fear, we know they're afraid. I'm going to take off. But what's the angel do? And again, why does Matthew write this? So that we would have reasonable evidence on which to anchor our faith, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What do they need to see? is the tomb really empty? So the angel says, come here, come here, come here, come here. Come and look, come and see. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead and going ahead of you into Galilee. And he's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So this uh, third reality is Jesus is alive. This is the beautiful moment that we just bask in this morning is the reality that the tomb is empty. The Lord is alive. He is risen. Jesus lives. It is just as he said. And you know, this moment gives us encouragement and confidence for every other promise that we have. As Wes mentioned, he's, he promised, I will be back. I'm coming again. You will be with me. And every other promise, we find encouragement to, to just bank on that this morning. Fourth reality, though, we see not only is Jesus alive, but he is on the move. Verse 8, so the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid and yet filled with joy. And the uh, English doesn't quite do the Greek uh, justice. There's the word mega joy. It's great joy. What's fueling their run? It's this just excitement of what, what they've just seen. They ran, and t- ran to tell the disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said, and they came to him. They clasped his feet and worshiped him. Interesting, the details there. This is a bodily resurrection. They they grabbed his feet. Jesus has a glorified body, but it's his body. It's not a spirit. And they worshiped him. He is God, fully God. And we know the core doctrine around who Jesus is, fully man, fully God. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go into Galilee. There they will see me. Fourth reality, Jesus is on the move he's alive and he's working and don't you love it he's not like hey let's just sit here and talk for a while he's like things are happening the revolution it's not over it's on in fact go tell my brothers I'll meet them up in Galilee we got things to talk about we're not going to talk about them here in Jerusalem it's on I got plans the king is calling the shots again Isn't that awesome? Jesus died. Jesus was buried. Jesus is alive and Jesus is on the move. Those are the core truths around the resurrection, right guys? That's the gospel. And, and this is what we remind ourselves often. Peter would often remind the church. Uh, Paul does the same in 1 Corinthians 15, what text or Wes mentioned earlier. In fact, let's just go there quickly. 1 Corinthians 15 sums up the gospel in the first part it says now brothers and sisters I want to remind you of the gospel or the good news that I preached to you which you have received and on which you have taken your stand by this gospel you are saved so salvation comes from understanding this trusting in the truth of this and in Christ if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you otherwise you have believed in vain here it comes for what I received I passed on to you as of first importance First reality, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Second reality, that he was buried. Third reality, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And fourth reality, that he appeared to uh, Cephas, Peter, and to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. So, what's our response to this, this precious reality, these realities in this precious gospel? And it's simply this. First response is to believe, to believe, to trust that this is reality. Remember when Jesus was talking with Martha right before he, he brings Lazarus back from the dead? And Martha's upset that he didn't show up sooner. He said, she says, If you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And, and what's, remember what Jesus says. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will live even though they die. And then he ends with this question, Martha. And this is the question for us today. Whoever, whatever your name may be, you can fill it in the blank. Martha, do you believe this? Do you believe this? Most important question, as we look to Christ, the risen Christ, now, he asks us the same. Do you believe that I am the resurrection and the life? And his invitation is open to each of us today to trust him as our Savior. Now, for those, and if you have questions about that, I encourage you to seek answers. And uh, we would love, I would love to talk with you after the service or a friend around you. Please seek answers. But here's what happens. The moment that we believe, that we understand these core truths and put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, a, a resurrection happens in that we are made alive in Christ. Scripture bears uh, witness to this all over the place. But it says you are a new creation. So when we are born physically, we know we are born dead to God. We are spiritually dead. Physically, we have life. But when you're dead, you, can't, you don't relate to anybody. Somebody who's in a casket, can't talk, can't see, can't relate to the world. So it is spiritually. We're born dead. And that's all of us. Even the most sweet and innocent, precious little child is dead in their sin and needs to be made alive by the grace of God. How, do we be, how are we made alive? It's the moment that we, by faith, see who Jesus is and say, I believe God does a work of regeneration. It's called conversion, is the theological term, that we come alive and now we can see God. We can hear him. We love him. We enter into a relationship with him. We see a, the world differently. And God begins a spiritual, a soul transformation process where we begin to see reality differently based on his word by faith. And he says, all right, this is what's true through his word. And so one of the core places that, 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 that he says see differently, see differently, is how we see death Before, we are held in bondage to death. But now, as we awaken to who he is and what he's done and what our future is, he says, you can see death differently. So that, yes, it still hurts, and and we we don't minimize that, but we don't fear it. It's got 0% fear hold on my soul. Why? Five pictures he gives us in his word for how to reframe death. The first one is this, see it as a race finished one of the the uh, most common ways the lord wants us to see life is as a race how many of you have run a race one mile five miles 13 crosby just ran 13 yesterday how'd you do all right okay she you finished you finished that's the big thing marathons i know some of you anybody um i know bryce and, and the brothers run uh, ultra marathons Cam, I think, finished one recently. Okay, think about that race you ran. 6K, man, can't wait to run that 6K for water. Um, Hopefully we all sign up and and go do that thing. When you think about the race you've run, now think about that finish line moment. Was anyone disappointed to see the finish line? It's like that's, when you're running a race, there's universal joy over turning that corner and finish line. So it is in this life as a follower of Christ when we realize, and I think God often whispers it to us, "Hey, your departure is near. It's not, oh no, it's yes, let's go." We, we see it in Paul, second Timothy chapter. Uh, 4 verse 6, he says, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering. The time for my departure, that's his death, is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only me, but also all who who have longed for his appearing. The, uh, and then the second uh, way that we reframe death, we see it as a race finish. Reframing it, we see it as a tent collapsing. These bodies that God has given us are absolutely amazing, aren't they? How they work together and awesome. But God is careful to remind us that these are rentals. These are temporary. <laughs> and I love the way Paul puts it. He, he describes our bodies as a tent. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he says, For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God. So picture a tent and then picture your house that's actually like strong, steady, and built. But our house is built from God. And it's an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling. So do we have any campers in the house? Anybody enjoy camping? All right. Man, it is awesome to get out there in a tent, isn't it? And just out under the beautiful blue sky and you, you see the and dark sky, see the stars, you hear the crickets and wake up with the sunrise and the birds chirping and all that stuff until the big storm comes. And, and have you ever been in that big storm and you start hearing that drip, 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 like, oh, no. It's not going to be good. And so you stick your little finger out there and give the, the water test. And it's like, oh, boy, she's wet. But we're not floating yet. And then an hour later, uh-oh, it's halfway up the knuckle. Oh, it's going to be a painful morning. <laughs> and, man, tents leak. and So it is with these bodies of ours, right? Eventually, man, they wear out, fall apart. It's just hard. But one day, we will trade up what is temporary will be replaced with a building that's eternal, a glorified body. And we see Christ, as we look at the risen Lord, we see He, he has what we will have. And we see this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 42 to, to 44, just, I wish we could unpack the entire chapter. This is the resurrection chapter, but just a glimpse of it. He says, so it will be with the resurrection of the the dead. The body that is sown perishable, it is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. I always think of this when I'm at a funeral and I see this man who used to be so strong. And I see pictures, often the wedding day picture of this this guy that's just powerful and this woman who's so beautiful at her wedding. And then I see what stinking death has done. But then I call to mind this reality. Just a tent collapsing. A tent collapse. But it's going to be a beautiful beyond beauty. Strong beyond strong. Sown in weakness. Raised in power. It is sown in natural body. And it is raised a spiritual body forever. Oh man, is anybody else ready? For that day, reframing death, it's a tent collapsing. But, but I can, I know I think, okay, yeah, this is a hopeful thought, but I'm, what about the process? I'm scared about the process of actually dying. And that's where we come to this precious picture, reframe it, see it, see it as a falling asleep. Death is a, a falling asleep after a long day to wake up to a beautiful morning. And this is one of the primary ways the early church spoke of death. We see, that, see it there in First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, where he says, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep, there it is in death, so that you grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have what? Fallen asleep. So after a long, hard but good day of living, you know that feeling of just falling into your bed, wiped out, and just like, "Ah, feels so good." Do you ever wonder and just find yourself paralyzed by fear that you might not wake up? Anybody? Maybe a few of us. But I think most of us are like, no, I'm good with it. Why? You've done it so many times. It just happens. Now, now, did you have anything to do with you waking up other than the alarm clock? (laughs) No. It's all God who somehow keeps us asleep when we go comatose and somehow wakes us back up. And don't you love it that when God says, okay, when you think about death as my child, here's how I want you to think about it. It's just another good night. See you in the morning. I got you, just like I have had you every other night. So just fall asleep in Jesus, in me. He promises, I'm going to be with you in that moment. I've watched people die. I've been there. And for those who know Christ, He is with you in those moments in ways that are precious. He's not going to leave you, especially in those moments. So just close your eyes. Good night, I'll see you in the morning. And what a morning it is as we awake to all that he's prepared for us. Second, fourth way to reframe it is see it as a doorway to life. Death is not the end of the story. The tomb is not the end, but rather a passageway. We see this in uh, Philippians chapter 1. Peter, or I mean, Paul's viewing it this way. He says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in this body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet, what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to to depart and to be with Christ, which is better by far, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in my body. And then the fifth way to reframe death is to see it as a welcome home. What a thrill to know that we have the one who loves us, enough to to take our sin to the cross and die in our place, now preparing a place for us, John chapter 14. And you think about our Lord has unlimited power, unlimited building materials within a a love that's immeasurable, who's saying, I'm preparing a place for you, a real place. Seeing it as a welcome home think about all the things that you treasure and long for in that word home all the things that maybe even now you enjoy when you come home home is where you belong where there's a place for you at the table and when you're not at your place you are missed so much home is where you go to recover it's a place of rest where you go after work and we love our work but isn't it awesome when your work is done and you're like where are you going home love it it's where you don't have to be impressive it's where where you're just you home is where you celebrate it's where you share the joys the wins of life celebrate each other last night we we're celebrating Tam's birthday, which is today, at around. And she told me not to say anything about that, but I can't not. But around the the kitchen island, playing a game of Nerds together, and just um, it's what you do at home. You're with those you love, and you celebrate the wins unless they beat you at Nerds. But the uh, home is where someone is is waiting for you after a long time away. Your arrival home is the cause for a party. Home is the presence of our Lord, isn't it? Where he is, that is home for our hearts. Home at last. This world is not our home. We know we are exiles. We are foreigners here. We are travelers, pilgrims on our way home. I believe our home will be far more wonderful than we can imagine And as we close our eyes in death, it's a welcome home. Jesus died. He was buried. He is alive. And he is on the move. And today his invitation to us is to believe, to trust him. And if you, uh, again, I, I invite you, if you have not, to trust him as your savior to believe in him. And for those of us who have answered, yes, I believe, the question for us is, am I living beyond the fear of death? To which we say, but how? How do I do that? And God, through his word, says, here's how you reframe your mind, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See death this way. See death as a race finished, as a tent collapsing, as a falling asleep, as a doorway to life. And as a welcome home. So that we can say, death, I see you coming, but where's your sting? I I have no fear as you come. Only faith, hope, love, and joy for what my God has prepared for me. And today, uh, also just this sweet, sweet reality. Jesus promised, the risen Lord promised, I will be with you every step of the way. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain, all gain. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word to us today. Thank you for this precious hope that you've given us, new birth into a living hope, that I fear that death holds no uh, power over us. It uh, not only will we rise again, but we can live this life that you've given us, free from the fear of death we thank you for this father i pray over my brothers and sisters today if there's someone here who is struggling through the valley of death lord would you be their comfort hold them close If there's someone here who is just wrapped up in the fear of death i pray that this truth that we've covered today would you would uh, use it to set them free and and lord we uh we pray that you would keep us faithful to the finish love you. We praise you. We thank you for your presence with us in these moments, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you are encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be helpful for others, please be sure to subscribe or share. To experience other messages or find helpful resources, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com.